If you haven't been with us before, you might be like, who's the pastor in this church? Where are they? So if you haven't heard, our pastor, Pastor Justin, and his wife, Stephanie, have adopted a child, uh, Titus right. Shivraj White. I think he's going to go by Raj. I'm not 100%. So if they end up going with Titus, don't kill me. <laughs> but right now, it's Raj. And so they're there in India with him right now. They have him. If you follow them on social media, you get to see him. Yeah, Beautiful awesome. baby boy. Um, and they're going to be bringing him home in a couple weeks. The beauty of that for us in having three campuses is it's allowed us to... Alvin, turn that phone off, man. Come on, man. This ain't Newport News. You could do that Newport News, but not here something. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The beauty <laughs> of that for us is we have three campuses, and, and, and we're the newest campus. We're the smallest campus right now, and we just have a lot of people that can preach at the City Life yeah, Church. Praise the Lord. So good. even when they come back, they're going to get a little bit of a break, kind of get into adjustment period with their new baby. And so we have a series, what are we calling this, All-Star? Yeah, All-Star Weekend. All-Star Weekend. Yeah, so All-Star Weekend. Yeah, so you heard from Pastor David last week, who yeah. was amazing, right? And so I have the pleasure of announcing Shani tonight. So yeah. Shani and Nathaniel, I encourage you, if you haven't met them afterwards, just get a chance to say hello. They go to the Newport News campus. They have the distinction of being the first couple to meet at City Life and get married, right? Yeah. Shani's sitting right. over here, Nathaniel's sitting over here. Next thing you know, they're married, right? Next thing you know. You might be single sitting there right now looking across the room. That, this could happen to Where you. Where are you I'm at? I'm just saying. No, but they're, they're a great couple. Nathaniel, if you haven't met him, is literally a rocket scientist. Wired Magazine did a write-up on this guy. He is, with all affection, a nerd. Uh, he's probably the smartest guy you've ever met. So if you're a smart, smart person and want to have just a nerdy conversation, this is your guy after the sermon. <laughs> but Shani's the one preaching tonight. So I just want to share that Shani has a heart for people. Yeah. And she has a heart for the nations, and she has a heart for the persecuted church. Mm -hmm. So just give me, uh, or just help me in, in introducing Shani and give her a warm city life welcome. Thanks, Nate. Wow, how exciting is it to be here tonight? Are you guys excited that your pastor's in India right now? Goodness gracious. I mean, have you been stalking them on social media like I have? Just with tears of joy. I mean, I see their pictures and I'm bawling my eyes out one moment. I'm laughing the next. I mean, it's just nothing short of a miracle to see just the love in that family and seeing what God has done and what God is doing and the blessing that this church gets when Raj comes here, right? How cool is that? You know, um, just as I've been praying for them, I just can't help but think of the calling on Raj's life. And the impact that he is going to have on this nation here, the impact that he has already had on India and likely will continue to have, and just the impact that he's going to have on the world. I also, as I'm praying for them, I, I just kind of wonder and I talk to God about just the different challenges that they're going to face. You know, what, what is Raj going to lie in bed thinking about? What is he going to cry about? You know, what is, what is it going to be a challenge for Steph as she's a mama for, for a kid that's from India? What, what is she going to go through? Or, or Pastor Justin as he is, you know, pastoring and leading this church and also raising his, his son. And so I just wanted to start off tonight and just, just pray for them. Can you join me in that? God, we just lift up this family to you. God, we lift up our family to you. Pastor Justin and Steph and Raj, Lord, we thank you for the calling on this boy's life. We thank you for the calling on this family's life. 
And Lord, I just pray, I stretch my hands in this congregation right now, and I pray for just a supernatural support that would build up, that you would raise in this church family to surround our pastors. Lord, that in every moment, whether it's the celebrations or the challenges and the struggles, God, that we would be one family and that your name would be glorified through this boy, through this family, and through this church body. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, as, uh, as Steph was uh, getting ready to leave, uh, her and I, for some reason, just couldn't sleep late at night, and so we were both on Facebook like one or two in the morning, and uh, I, so I went to India like eight years ago, and um, I just had a very, very adventurous trip. I don't think anyone can really go to India without having an adventurous trip, and so I started sharing some of my stories with her, and just really, I, I listed all these things. I'm like, don't do this, don't do that, stay away from this, and so just funny stories, and so, so one of the things that I told her, I was like, okay, I was like, you absolutely have to get an Indian sari. It's just this beautiful Indian dress that the women wear over there. They come in all different colors. But I told her, I said, when you get that dress, you need to just make sure that you have a local Indian woman look you over before you go out in public. Me and my girlfriends might have made that mistake. We're like, oh, we put it on. We're like, we look good. And, and, and you know, the, our dresses were, like, not all the way down here. And we didn't have, like, our sides, like, revealed. And so, so, this, so the, our, our uh, guy came up to us, and he was like, I'm going to get my mom. And she's going to fix you. She's going to fix you. You know, so his mom fixed us, and it was great. It was a, a funny time. But um, another thing I told her, I was like, okay, whatever you do, do not get on a motorcycle. I mean, that seems obvious to you all, but at the time, I don't know, it just sounded like a great idea. And so one of the guys like, was like, come on, we'll go on a motorcycle. By the power of Jesus, I'm alive here today, right? I mean, in India, on a motorcycle is crazy. Um, the third thing I told her was stay away from kids that have baskets. And if you could just show that first picture. So the kids in this picture when we were in this village in India, we were like, oh, look at the cute kids. You know, they're so adorable and cute. And then they opened up their baskets. And inside those baskets were little tiny cobras. <laughs> and so we were, there was like a group of like 10 or 15 of us. And we just like sprinted. We were like one man for himself. We did not care. All the locals were just cracking up at us. Uh, but wow, what a, what a funny experience, you know. So, so India, it's a crazy place. You know, it is a, when I think about India, the first word that comes to mind is beauty. I mean, there is a beauty that is there that our Western minds can't even grasp. Like the bright pinks and greens and yellows and just the, the noise in the streets, the, the, the food, oh my goodness, it's just amazing. You can smell the spices wherever you go. And it's just such a rich, rich place. But I also, when I'm in India, I think about the suffering. You know, everywhere you go in India, this is basically trash is on the, the ground. They don't really have a trash system there. And so you just walk in trash wherever you go. You see kids running around with no shoes, and they're just walking on the trash. And I, and I also, you know, think about the, the caste system that's over there. They have four castes, and then they also have a group called the Dalits, 
which are considered the untouchables. And so basically, most of the Indians don't even have anything to do with this group of people. And so I think about these things where they're suffering. I also think about the religion over there. Um, India is made up of, I think, about 80% Hinduism, um, 12 to 13%, 14% Islam, and then maybe 2% Christians, and then the rest minority groups. And so when you're there, you realize that Jesus has not been revealed, and so there's a suffering that it goes along with that. And so the beauty about India, though, is that I know that when Jesus is revealed to people there, the suffering and the beauty come together, and it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And so tonight, I'm actually going to be talking about the kids of the persecuted church. A few weeks ago, I spoke at the Newport News campus, and I talked about the persecuted church overall, and I shared a little bit of my own story in Christians that I have met on my Air Force deployments that have been persecuted. Um, my friend Gabe, who is from Sudan, my friend Jedediah, who's from Fiji, and then my dear sister in Christ, Suhame, who is from Iraq. And I'm not going to talk about that tonight, but if you have not heard that podcast, I really encourage you to check it out, because that's just going to give you further insight into the persecuted church. But tonight, just as I was preparing for this message and asking God what this church here in Suffolk, um, what he had for you guys, he just laid it so deeply on my heart to share about the kids of the persecuted church. Because, you know, when, when Raj comes here, and as you see him grow up in this church, he is going to make a lasting impact on you. You're not going to be able to be the same. There's going to be a, a light that shines and a passion that rises up in you for, for the nations. And so tonight, I just want to give you a little bit of insight. And hey, there's kids that, that know Jesus that suffer horribly across the world. And there's other kids that don't know Jesus yet, and they're going to know Jesus soon. And they have gone through incredible suffering as well. So we're going to start tonight in uh, Romans 15, starting in verse 25. Romans 15, starting in verse 25. And it says, But before I come... I must go to Jerusalem to take up a gift to the believers there. For you see, the believers in Macedonia and Achaia have eagerly taken up an offering for the poor among the believers in Jerusalem. They were glad to do this because they feel they owe a real debt to them. Since the Gentiles received the spiritual blessing of the good news from the believers in Jerusalem, they feel that the least they can do in return is to help them financially. So let me just put this in context for you. Say that Paul walks into this congregation and that the City Life Church Suffolk is the church of Macedonia. So Paul walks in and he, he's, you know, he's kind of beat up. He's got, he's got bruises on his face. He's got whiplashes on his back. He's got crazy hair. He probably smells a little bit. He has been traveling the world. He has been preaching the gospel, and he's also been persecuted all along the way, been thrown in jail. And he comes in here, 
And he says, the church in Jerusalem is suffering. He says, there's kids there that don't even have food. There's kids there that are, are beat up. They don't have moms. They don't have dads. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's traveled to India. He's traveled to Pakistan. And, he, and he's gone to all these different places. And he's telling you there's suffering going on. Should there be something in you that rises up and says, what is my debt to owe? How can I help? What is my role to the church in other parts of the world? Or put it even in more of a reality. What if Pastor Justin and Seth, they get back here and they tell you, you know, we've been all over India. We've been in, in an orphanage. We've been on the streets. We've been here and there. We've seen the kids that don't have shoes. We've seen the kids that are starving. We're, we see the kids that are so caught in a false religion that they don't know Jesus. Should there be something in us that rises up in passion and says, I want to help. I want to know. I'm the church of City Life Suffolk, and I want to help the church and other nations. So many of you may not quite even know much about the persecuted church. And so I just want to give you just a brief overview to just give you kind of a perspective. So this map here shows you um, the persecution around the world. So just in kind of a, a broad definition, the persecuted church are Christians that suffer persecution um, in various ways. And so it can be from persecution from the government, persecution from different insurgent groups within that nation, or it could be just from other religious groups or tribes, all different things. This map here is from opendoorsusa.org, and they put together a yearly report where they rank the persecution by numbers of who has the highest threat versus uh, the lowest. And they also do a, a more specific report that you can look up online that will break it down. It breaks down every nation and it shows you how that country is being persecuted. So is it, is it the government that's causing most of it or is it other groups? I also highly recommend uh, Voice of the Martyrs. They are my go-to resource for the persecuted church. They do a phenomenal report every year. And they also, they just have so many resources. Um, audio resources, literature, all kinds of stuff. And so this map here shows you um, extreme persecution in red, very high in that kind of darker brown, oranges color, and then high in the more yellow kind of mustard color. So countries that face high persecution would be countries like North Korea, Yemen, Somalia, Iraq, Iran, um, Pakistan, which is the bordering nation with India. And then the layer before, below that, very high, would be countries like India, uh, Egypt, Libya. And then uh, the, the layer just below that would be, that is high, would be like China, Turkey, um, and, uh, and some other countries that you can see in there in Southeast Asia. Um, so that just kind of gives you the broad overview, just to see, okay, where is the most persecution taking place? Where can I start to focus my prayers and resources? And so whenever I look at an issue, whether it's the persecuted church, you know, refugees, orphans that are suffering around the world, I personally, I like to understand it from this big picture kind of perspective to understand, hey, what are, what are the problems worldwide? And then from there, I like to understand the stories. And then that kind of helps me 
form my prayer focus and my understanding of how I can help and what my role is. And so, so let me just show um, some stories here. If you could just pull up the, the picture of the girl from India. So this girl here, her father uh, pastored two churches in India with over 200 people. And just recently, he was kidnapped by a Hindu insurgent group within India. And within 24 hours of them kidnapping him, they shot him to death. And um, I can only imagine what this girl is walking through. She has two siblings and, and a mom. And, um, you know, I think many parts of just being a kid, there's probably a lot that she doesn't even understand about that right now. But I can imagine she, she feels fear. She feels grief. I think that she probably has, is going to deal with some forms of PTSD, you know, all kinds of things that this little girl is going to walk through. But praise the Lord, Voice of the Martyrs has partnered with her and her family, and the church is helping walk her family through this grief in this season. Amen? If you could pull up the next picture. This next picture is of a, a Syria boy. Isn't he cute? <laughs> and... Um, so this specific boy, his family has actually chosen to stay in Syria right now. And um, a lot of the Christian families have made the decision to leave just because the war is so intense there. I don't know if you guys have been following it, but there are just so many bombings every single day. Between, and then there's you know ISIS and the regime and all these different opposition forces that are on the ground. The, the, the battle is fierce there. And for families that choose to stay there, it is rough. And so Voice of the Martyrs is partnering with churches over there to help them develop what they need to stay. And I'm telling you, I know the power of Jesus Christ. And I know that those churches are experiencing God's power and protection. And, and so when you see this, boy, I want you to think about him for the families that choose to stay. But I also want you to think about some of the families that God's called them to leave as well. Because both are, are so hard for those kids. Whether they're refugees or they're staying in their country, whatever they're going through, it, it's hard. And it's going to be a long journey for those kids as they grow up and they start to understand more of the grief and more of the violence and all those things. But again, the beauty is, is that God is so good right? And he walks us through each step of the a moment. And the power of prayer is that we can be praying for these kids now. And now, if you could just show this next picture, I put up, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the kids of ISIS. Now, this, these kids aren't necessarily, I, my guess is they're likely not Christians right now. And so um, they wouldn't necessarily fit like the exact definition of the persecuted church right now. However, my viewpoint is that I'm believing for the Christians that are brothers and sisters that are going to join our family. And so when I pray, I want to pray for every single group that's out there. And so I pray for the kids of ISIS all the time. Now, these kids, as you can see in this picture, are being trained to, to shoot right there. And so a lot of them are going to be going through a whole lot of, of grief, guilt, uh, PTSD, all kinds of things. But I know that when God 
sets them free and they walk into relationship with him and they accept our Jesus. He is going to wash them clean as snow. He is going to set them free. He's going to set everything that was meant for evil into his goodness and his power and his glory. Amen? Amen. All right. So this is just a glimpse of the persecuted church. Just a glimpse. We could talk all day long in telling the stories, but I want to focus today on what is our part, what is our role, how do we get involved. Now, I think a lot of times we get stuck in these mentalities of reasons why we can't help, and it's not our responsibility to jump in. And so so really, I think that there's three main ones that we kind of get stuck in. One is I think that we see it is too overwhelming. I don't know about you, but, but the first time I saw that picture of these kids being trained up to fight for ISIS, it was overwhelming. I, I just had to, had to close the picture off and just walk away. It was so heavy. You know, and when I think about these kids that are um, suffering in Syria as bombs are happening every day and, and, and kids that have lost parents to just violence, uh, a violent war going on, it's overwhelming. When I think about the, the pastors in, in China, you know, it overwhelms me that, that people can't worship freely. Um, and so a lot of times we get so overwhelmed that we don't do anything. Now, the second reason I think we fail to step in and help is that specifically for the persecuted church, a lot of times they're in hiding. And so we think, how do we actually help them if they're hiding from everyone else? You know, you think about a lot of the uh, pastors and Christians in China, if we actually went over there and went up to go, you know, pray for them or fellowship with them, we would actually put them in greater danger. And so we think, oh, well, well, we can't do that, so let's not do anything. And we don't think about the, oh, the prayer aspect, right, because that's not powerful at all, right? Come on. You know, prayer and, and finances, there's all kinds of ways to help people that are in hiding. The, the third one that I think we get caught up in the most as the Western church is we believe this lie that if we can't help those in our own backyard, what right do we have helping anyone else? Right? We have homeless people. We have kids that don't have homes. Our foster care process is a mess. What business do we have doing anything in these other nations? Now, if you resonate with any of these three, I would just encourage you to spend some time in both Acts 1.8 and James 1.27. Okay, so, so Acts 1.8 says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So does this verse say that the Holy Spirit will come upon me so that I will be the witness to Suffolk and Hampton Roads? Does it say that? Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does, right? But that's not enough. And if we think that we are, are just to minister here, in, in Suffolk and just to minister in Hampton Roads, we're actually limiting the very power of the Holy Spirit. We're taking control into our own hands and we're saying, I'm only going to fix what I, th- what I know I can fix. And we're not allowing the Holy Spirit and God to move through us and do what he's called us to do. Now, 
James 1.27, it says this. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the Father, means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Now, I really want you to ask this question. Are you letting the world corrupt you? Like, sometimes we think about corrupt, the world corrupting us and like this, oh, like, you know, drinking or like going, like going crazy, but what about just being comfortable and staying there? Is that corruption? Is that corruption? Right? He says here, caring for the widows and the orphans. Now, I'm not saying that every single one of us is going to have this calling like Pastor Justin and Steph to go to India to get their son. I do think that some of you are going to have that calling. And I think that when you see Raj, the Holy Spirit's going to start tugging in your heart. And there are going to be people in this campus that are going to adopt. And this community is going to rise. And there's going to be all these kids running around from all these different nations, right? How cool is that? Right? But if that's not your calling, you're still called to support the widows and the orphans. Whether that's giving financially or praying or going on a short-term mission trip to the Dominican Republic, there is a calling for you because God says it here and his word is calling you and don't let the world corrupt you, okay? So those are, those are some reasons that I think we get caught in, but I want to talk about two reasons why I believe that we are called to minister to the persecuted church. First one is this. We are family. We are the house of the Holy Spirit. And so Ephesians 2, starting in verse 19, says this. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together, we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple of the Lord. You know, so, so when Jesus died, he made us all family, right? Every single one of us. Jew, Gentile, black, white, American, Indian, Afghan, Pakistani, Ugandan, Australian, Spanish, Italian, everyone, everyone, right? All of us. And when we, when we limit our family to those that look like us or those that are in our circle, we are actually limiting the very temple of the Holy Spirit, we're limiting the very power of the sovereign God above. Now, he can do whatever he wants, right? He's God. <laughs> He's God. He'll do whatever he wants. But he has delegated us the authority because he loves us that much. And when we unite with people of different nations, we truly show the reflection of Christ. So I want you to think a little bit about, you know, what does the church look like in India? You know, what does the church look like in China? Do you think that they have seats like this, walls like this? They might, some, you know, I don't know. You know, what, what does the church look like in the Dominican Republic? You know, 
what does the church look like in Syria, in Afghanistan? You know, when I, uh, about five years ago or so, uh, I went on a mission trip to Cambodia and Thailand, and I had just the privilege of, of working with a ministry that our, our purpose was to uh, fight human trafficking over there. And so we went to a lot of the villages in Cambodia, and we went to uh, a few of the trash dumps in Cambodia. Have any of you gone to a trash dump site in any foreign country? It's a sight to see, right? It's a sight to see. And so we went out to Cambodia into this, this, tra- this trash dump site, and um, at this specific site, there were a lot of orphans and widows that were just out there. They were so poor that every time that a, 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 a truck would come in with this massive amount of trash, the whole, vil- the whole area of village would just sprint towards the trash, and you would see them diving into the trash to find whatever they could so that they could support themselves to live, and they would, they would sell those items. And so one of the things that we did was we brought shoes because a lot of the kids roaming around in the trash dumps, I had no shoes. So we brought, we brought some T-shirts. But my favorite part was what we did a, a feet washing there. It wrecks you. It absolutely wrecks you. You know, it's one thing to wash someone's feet here in the States when you know that for the most part their feet are clean, you know. But it's another thing to wash a kid's feet or a widow's feet that has been walking in the trash, you know. And um, I just had the the honor and privilege to wash the feet of this specific woman. And um, as I was washing her feet, the Lord just really uh, put it on my heart to to ask her if she wanted to save Jesus. And she did that day, you know. And in that moment, like, I knew that I had a new sister in Christ. She was my family. You know, I may not ever see her again, but she's my family, you know. And then, and then a, f- a week later, we did some ministry in uh, Thailand. And um, that ministry was mainly geared towards women in the brothels, women in um, the sex industry of various forms. And uh, we worked with YWAM, and we brought and all these girls, and we held a huge banquet for them. And um, a lot of the girls were so young. They were so young. And um, God just moved so powerfully. He moved so powerfully. And uh, there was a a specific girl that the Lord just placed it in my heart to um, give her this necklace that had a key on it. And the Lord just did just an incredible work but that girl ended up accepting Jesus that night. And I remember this specific moment at the end of the night where I just held her in my arms as she wept. You know, the girl, she was probably like 10 or 11 years old, working in the sex industry. And, and as I held her, she wept and I wept. And it felt like this moment that Jesus was holding both of us in one. You know, and so when I think about the atrocities that happen to the persecuted church, whether it's, it's, you know, rapes or brutal murders or losing family members, I think about that hug that I had with that girl, and I think about the beauty of the family because the Holy Spirit has made 
us, his temple. And so that when we hug someone or when we minister to someone, it's actually the Holy Spirit that's doing the work in our, in our temples, right? And so that's, that's the power that we have, church. And so when I say, is, what's our role? What is the debt that we owe? It's that we're, God's te- we're the Holy Spirit's temple. And so we're family. We're family with the persecuted church and the kids of the persecuted church. Now, the, the second reason why I believe that God has, has called us to have a role with the persecuted church is that we're the body. We're the body. You know, I love how God gives us this symbolism of the, the human body in Corinthians, right? We're connected. And so, so say that, see life suffix, say that we're like the pinky finger, okay? We're the pinky finger. Now, if, if the church in India was like one of the small toes and someone came in and started whipping the toe, kicking the toe, smashing the toe, cursing the toe, saying, you're not worth it, you're lame, all you do is walk on the earth, would we suffer? Would this pinky finger suffer? Well, it says in Corinthians that when one suffers, all of it does. And so, so when different parts of the body are suffering, we should feel it. And if we're not feeling it, it's, it's because we're numb. And we need to ask God to soften our hearts. We should be feeling it. It also says in Corinthians that when one is honored, the rest rejoices. And so when we hear stories of people being set free in the persecuted church, there should be a rejoicing that rises up in us because we're the church. We're the church. And we give God praise in those moments because God desires his whole body, his whole bride to worship him and to celebrate together. So, so we owe a debt to the persecuted church because we're family, we're his house, and we're his body. And so I'm gonna, we're going to play this video. And as you watch this video of kids across the world, I want you to think about that. I want you to think about us as family, us as the body.
the worship team could just come forward. That video stirs something in you. Man, seeing those faces, seeing the reality of what those kids face every day in, in Iraq and Syria and India, and Pakistan, all over the world. Some of you ha- are feeling the tugging of the Holy Spirit tonight. And, and if you're not, I pray that you would be feeling that tugging over these next few weeks. And some, some of you might be asking, well, I just don't even know where to start. I just don't even know how to help. So tonight, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you just four starting steps, okay? Somewhere to start that's just simple. So s- s- one step is, is prayer. Everything in the church, it starts with prayer. And so if you're here tonight and you're just like, I don't even know what to do, I would just encourage you to, to look up to God and say, how can I help? What is my role? What is the debt that I owe to the persecuted church? And, and also with prayer, there's... It, the intercession that can rise up in us, you know? And so I would encourage you, Voice of the Martyrs has just an incredible resource out there. It's called icommittopray.org. And you can go, you can register and they'll send you emails and they will send you like three three or four stories every week or so. And that those are just specific examples for you to be praying for people across the world. That's, a, that's one starting step is prayer. The second step is, is going on a short-term mission trip. If you haven't gone on a short-term mission trip, I'm telling you, you gotta go. It's part of the Acts 1-8 calling. And so if you haven't gone, like talk to Carrie over here about going to the Dominican Republic or uh, even Marvin Thomas about going to Haiti for their next trip. I'm telling you, when you go on a short-term mission trip, it's gonna open up your eyes and your hearts for what God has for you. Everyone should be, should be going at least once. So short-term mission trips and prayer and then third way is, is giving financially and and you know I'm telling you City Life Church has stepped up with giving financially and those those two kids out there I know that that someone someone is got stirring in your heart to, to adopt those kids in the Dominican Republic and, and, and for faith promises and I mean we are so blessed here in the US financially we are so abundantly blessed and and we can give so much more than what we're giving now and so I would just really encourage you to step up your giving to the persecuted church. We have, we have missionaries we support here at City Life. And then there's also Voice of the Martyrs and other groups that are doing all kinds of stuff worldwide. And the fourth way is, is simply awareness. You know, some of us just need to take a break from Facebook and just the things that are, that are uh, taking up our time and, and seeing what the Lord is doing across the world one who's performing miracles. He is the one who's sovereign. And so turn, tune your heart to what he is doing. Voice of the Martyrs is a great place to start. And I could give you a hundred more. So if you have, if you have any issue finding awareness of the persecuted church, find me. All right. And so those are, those are your starting steps. And I just encourage you to pursue God with this Acts 1-8 calling. Here to the ends of the earth. Here to the ends of the earth. So, so let me just pray for you guys as we just wrap up. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for the work that you are doing right here in City Life Suffolk. God, I thank you for our pastors, Lord, that are in India in this very moment. I thank you for their feet touching the ground and bringing your authority to a, to a nation that so many people do not know you, God. There are so many kids that are suffering in India, God, and you have 
Pastor Justin and Steph there right now with their son. And so, Father, I just pray for your glory to fall upon them right now. I pray for your glory to fall upon the nation of India. I pray for your glory to fall upon the nation of Pakistan, to fall upon Afghanistan and Syria and Iraq and India and and Uganda and South Africa. God, Spain. Lord, I pray for the refugees that are moving across the world right now. I pray for the, the Christians that are fleeing because of persecution. Lord, I pray right now in this moment that every Christian that is is about to be slain, that is about to be murdered, I pray for your divine protection in this moment, that you would hear our prayers in City Life Suffolk and our brothers and sisters across the world would experience your divine intervention in this moment right now. God, I lift up our, our the young kids, God, that have lost parents. I pray for the widows that have lost their husbands, the husbands that have lost their wives. God, I pray for strength and courage and joy to rise up in our brothers and sisters that have gone through so much suffering. God, I pray for hope. I pray for forgiveness, God. Father, humble us as a, as a nation in America to rise up and, and support our brothers and sisters worldwide. Help us to just let them know that we are here for them. We are the body, we are the house, and we are here to support them. God, I pray that the nation of America would rise up and do our part, God, in what you have for the church of the world. In Jesus' name, amen.